Let's start with a brief summary. This article, written by Paul Graham in 2009, analyzes the popularity and impact of the list of things format. Graham points out why this format is more appealing to readers and writers and usually offers a simpler reading experience. He also mentions that this format allows writers to cover multiple points without adhering to a specific line of thought, making it more fault tolerant. However, Graham also notes that this format leaves very little room for new ideas and is typically a feature of clickbait headlines. Before we dive in, I want to share a quick note about how this podcast is created. As you've probably noticed, this podcast isn't voiced by a human, but by artificial intelligence. I'm obligated to inform you of this beforehand due to the rules of AI services. This podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Wope.com, an AI startup that combines content marketing with artificial intelligence to significantly boost traffic and revenue of your startups. For all the latest content, be sure to follow me at x.com, Yigit Koner. Now let's turn our attention back to the essay, The Popularity and Impact of Ranking Various Items in a List. Original title, The List of N Things. Date, September 2009. I bet you the current issue of Cosmopolitan has an article whose title begins with a number, Seven Things He Won't Tell You About Sex or something like that. Some popular magazines feature articles of this type on the cover of every issue. That can't be happening by accident. Editors must know they attract readers. Why do readers like the list of end things so much? Mainly because it's easier to read than a regular article. Structurally, the list of end things is a degenerate case of essay. An essay can go anywhere the writer wants. In a list of end things, the writer agrees to constrain himself to a collection of points of roughly equal importance, and he tells the reader explicitly what they are. Some of the work of reading an article is understanding its structure, figuring out what in high school we'd have called its outline. Not explicitly, of course, but someone who really understands an article probably has something in his brain afterward that corresponds to such an outline. In a list of end things, this work is done for you. Its structure is an exoskeleton. As well as being explicit, the structure is guaranteed to be of the simplest possible type a few main points with few to no subordinate ones, and no particular connection between them. Because the main points are unconnected, the list of end things is random access. There's no thread of reasoning you have to follow. You could read the list in any order. And because the points are independent of one another, they work like watertight compartments in an unsinkable ship. If you get bored with or can't understand or don't agree with one point, you don't have to give up on the article. You can just abandon that one and skip to the next. A list of end things is parallel and therefore fault tolerant. There are times when this format is what a writer wants. One, obviously, is when what you have to say actually is a list of end things. I once wrote an essay about the mistakes that kill startups, startupmistakes.html, and a few people made fun of me for writing something whose title began with a number. But in that case, I really was trying to make a complete catalog of a number of independent things. In fact, one of the questions I was trying to answer was how many there were. There are other less legitimate reasons for using this format. For example, I use it when I get close to a deadline. If I have to give a talk and I haven't started it a few days beforehand, I'll sometimes play it safe and make the talk a list of end things. 
the list of end things is easier for writers as well as readers. When you're writing a real essay, there's always a chance you'll hit a dead end. A real essay is a train of thought, and some trains of thought just peter out. That's an alarming possibility when you have to give a talk in a few days. What if you run out of ideas? The compartmentalized structure of the list of end things protects the writer from his own stupidity in much the same way it protects the reader. If you run out of ideas on one point, no problem. It won't kill the essay. You can take out the whole point if you need to, and the essay will still survive. Writing a list of end things is so relaxing. You think of end two of them in the first five minutes. So bang, there's the structure, and you just have to fill it in. As you think of more points, you just add them to the end. Maybe you take out or rearrange or combine a few. But at every stage, you have a valid, though initially low-res, list of end things. It's like the sort of programming where you write a version one very quickly and then gradually modify it, but at every point have working code. Or the style of painting where you begin with a complete but very blurry sketch done in an hour, then spend a week cranking up the resolution. Because the list of end things is easier for writers too, it's not always a damning sign when readers prefer it. It's not necessarily evidence readers are lazy, it could also mean they don't have much confidence in the writer. The list of end things is in that respect the cheeseburger of essay forms. If you're eating at a restaurant you suspect is bad, your best bet is to order the cheeseburger. Even a bad cook can make a decent cheeseburger. And there are pretty strict conventions about what a cheeseburger should look like. You can assume the cook isn't going to try something weird and artistic. The list of end things similarly limits the damage that can be done by a bad writer. You know it's going to be about whatever the title says, and the format prevents the writer from indulging in any flights of fancy. Because the list of end things is the easiest essay form, it should be a good one for beginning writers. And in fact, it is what most beginning writers are taught. The classic five-paragraph essay is really a list of end things for n equals three. But the students writing them don't realize they're using the same structure as the articles they read in Cosmopolitan. They're not allowed to include the numbers, and they're expected to spackle over the gaps with gratuitous transitions. Furthermore, and cap the thing at either end with introductory and concluding paragraphs so it will look superficially like a real essay. It seems a fine plan to start students off with the list of end things. It's the easiest form. But if we're going to do that, why not do it openly? Let them write lists of end things like the prose, with numbers and no transitions or conclusion. There is one case where the list of end things is a dishonest format. When you use it to attract attention by falsely claiming the list is an exhaustive one, i.e., if you write an article that purports to be about the seven secrets of success. That kind of title is the same sort of reflexive challenge as a whodunit. You have to at least look at the article to check whether they're the same seven you'd list. Are you overlooking one of the secrets of success? Better check. It's fine to put the before the number if you really believe you've made an exhaustive list. But evidence suggests most things with titles like this are link bait. The greatest weakness of the list of end things is that there's so little room for new thought. The main point of essay writing, when done right, is the new ideas you have while doing it. A real essay, as the name implies, is dynamic, 
essay.html. You don't know what you're going to write when you start. It will be about whatever you discover in the course of writing it. This can only happen in a very limited way in a list of end things. You make the title first, and that's what it's going to be about. You can't have more new ideas in the writing than will fit in the watertight compartments you set up initially. And your brain seems to know this. Because you don't have room for new ideas, you don't have them. Another advantage of admitting to beginning writers that the five-paragraph essay is really a list of end things is that we can warn them about this. It only lets you experience the defining characteristic of essay writing on a small scale, in thoughts of a sentence or two. And it's particularly dangerous that the five-paragraph essay buries the list of end things within something that looks like a more sophisticated type of essay. If you don't know you're using this form, you don't know you need to escape it. Notes. Articles of this type are also startlingly popular on Delicious, but I think that's because Delicious Poll slash Delicious.com's popular is driven by bookmarking, not because Delicious users are stupid. Delicious users are collectors, and a list of end things seems particularly collectible because it's a collection itself. Most word problems in school math textbooks are similarly misleading. They look superficially like the application of math to real problems, but they're not. So if anything, they reinforce the impression that math is merely a complicated but pointless collection of stuff to be memorized.